to Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to, the Pe to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Thanks, Henry, for reading. Thanks, Bron, for leading us. And morning, everyone. I'm Ben, the pastor here. Great to be with you this morning. Let me pray for us as we uh, come to look at that passage in God's Word. Our Father, we thank you that you are good and gracious. And we thank you that in the Bible you've given us your words. Thank you that at the same Spirit who was poured out on that day of Pentecost, the, the Spirit who caused these words to be written, is present with us this morning to help us understand, to help us uh, take these words into our hearts, into our lives, and to live them out, to put them into practice. We pray as a church community here at Barney's that, that we would be a community shaped by the gospel, shaped by your word, a community that is living out our identity faithfully. And we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, if you're um, visiting us this morning, special welcome to you. And it's great uh, that you've come this Sunday. Uh, as Bron said, we're in this three-week series that we've called Joining In. And uh, let me remind you what we're aiming to do in this series. Uh, Joining In is actually the name we've given to a course uh, that we have for newcomers to the church. We run it on a Sunday afternoon. But because that is a new thing for us at Barney's, we've only actually done that Sunday afternoon once, uh, we wanted to take these three Sundays to take everyone through the joining in material. Uh, part of the purpose of joining in is to give people an opportunity to say, I'm in. I, I want to be a member of this church. I want to be committed to this church community. I want to be committed to this church's mission and ministry. 
So over three weeks, we are looking at three big priorities, three core values, if you like, for us as a church. Last week, we thought about the gospel. This week, we're thinking about community. Next week, mission. So gospel, community, mission. Uh, But what we're actually going to find is that uh, there's overlap of all three. So last week, we were thinking about the priority of the gospel, but actually all three things were present, weren't they? Because we saw that Paul wasn't just talking about gospel-centered individuals. He was talking about a gospel-centered church. And part of being a gospel-centered church is being committed to proclaiming the gospel, engaged in gospel mission. And we're going to see the same thing in the passage today. We're, we're focusing in on community, but it's a gospel community, and it's a community on mission. So each week, we're looking at a core value, but also each of the three weeks, we're looking at a more practical aspect of church life. So last week, the gospel, but also what do we believe? And if you remember, we, we looked at a, a diagram to um, try and position ourselves on the theological map of churches. I think I've got the diagram. Here it is. Uh, So five circles, five labels uh, that uh, aren't perfect in describing us, but helpful in positioning us on the theological map. Where do we sit? Well, we're a a Christian church. That's the most important thing. And then that's described uh, more as you work out through the circles. We're Protestant, Evangelical, uh, Reformed, Anglican. And we said last week, you don't have to agree with any of those to come along, uh, to be a part of the community here at Barney's. We want to be a church that's welcoming to all people, uh, no matter where you are on the spectrum of belief. And if you want to be a member of the church here at Barney's, you're going to need to be on board with some of these things. Strictly speaking, you only really need to agree with the first one. Christian, you need to be able to sign up to the Apostles' Creed as a basic statement of the Christian faith. But it would be helpful to be on board with at least the first three, uh, Protestant, Evangelical. Um, You don't have to be an Evangelical to to come and be a member here at Barney's, but if you were a committed, liberal Christian, you'd probably find Barney's a difficult place to be. That was last week. This week, the priority of community, but also... More practically, how do we operate as a church? How have we kind of structured things here at Barney's? What's our ministry design, if you like? And what would it look like to be a part of that, to be a member here? So that's where we're going. I have a bit of time for questions at the end. We're going to get into Acts chapter 2. And before we look at it, before I say anything, I want you to kind of have a think and maybe talk to the person next to you, particularly those last verses verses 42 to 47, um, what's your reaction to the church that Luke presents here, this early church? Uh, What two words would you use to describe it? Okay, think for 30 seconds. What two words would you use to describe the church that Luke sets before us here?
Anyone want to share a word or two? Radical. Nice one. Thanks, Bethany. Communal. Nice. United. Say again. Fruitful. Yes. Thank you. Radical, communal, united, fruitful. Anything else? What's your reaction to it? Unrealistic. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is, I mean, Luke's really presenting this as a a picture of a model church. Um, Yeah. It's certainly really demanding, isn't it? I mean, that was one of my words, challenging, radical, maybe even unrealistic. But I hope you agree, isn't it also really attractive? Isn't there something compelling? It's challenging, but it's compelling. Radical, but it's deeply attractive. Uh, This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I said that last week, and it's true. Uh, And this passage comes at the end of Acts chapter 2, and that whole chapter is a chapter in which Luke tells us about the day of Pentecost. And the day of Pentecost is when what Jesus promised happens. So back in chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says to his disciples, this is just before his ascension, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This verse really sets a framework for the whole book of Acts as the gospel spreads first from Jerusalem out to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And in chapter 2, what Jesus promised happens. The Holy Spirit comes on his disciples and they are empowered to be Jesus' witnesses. The apostle Peter gets up and preaches to the crowd in Jerusalem, preaches the gospel to them, and his message is summarized in verse 36. So have a look again at verse 36, if you've got your Bibles open. This is kind of the summary of Peter's sermon. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. If you want to summarize the gospel in a handful of words, these work. Jesus is both Lord and Messiah. In other words, that the five foot ten man from Nazareth, who was crucified under Pontius Pilate, is both the Lord, the rightful divine ruler of the world, and the Messiah, the long-promised Savior King. Or if you want to abbreviate it even more, Jesus is Lord and Savior, ruler and rescuer. And did you notice that What happens in Jerusalem when this gospel message is proclaimed is what Paul said happened in Thessalonica when the gospel was proclaimed. We were looking at last week. The gospel comes with power and the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. So verse 37 tells us about the response. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. There's deep conviction And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, 
Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, thousands do that. They accept the message, they believe the gospel, they repent, they turn, and they trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord. And as Peter tells them, they are baptized as an outward and public sign of God's forgiveness and the gift of the spirits. And then you get verses 42 to 47 and a description of the church. Now it's worth pausing and kind of recognizing that's quite interesting. The coming of the Holy Spirit, the preaching of the gospel results in thousands of people converted and those new Christians do two things. They get baptized and they join the church. Throughout the New Testament, those two things are the normal, expected response to someone becoming a Christian. They get baptized as an outward sign of that new life, and they join the church, the community of faith. Now, today we're going to focus on the second of those. The, the, the day of Pentecost is about the coming of the Holy Spirit, but it's also about the birth of the church. Acts, as I've said is all about the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth. And what you see as you read through Acts is that central to that mission, central to that spread of the gospel, are local churches, local communities of believers, formed by the gospel and formed for the gospel. You see, the gospel doesn't just form individuals committed to Jesus. It forms communities. And again, it's worth pausing and reflecting and asking, why would that be the case? Why does this message, this good news message about Jesus, why does it produce a community? Well, the God of the gospel, the God that we believe in as Christians, is a God who has existed in community for all eternity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons united in loving relationships. God created us in his image, and through the gospel, he is remaking that image in us. And so doesn't it make sense that the fruit of the gospel is not just new life in an individual, but a new community? I don't know if anyone saw the the ABC Foreign Correspondent Program this week. I didn't but I um, heard about it on the radio. It's all about life in Japan and the increasing social crisis and problem of loneliness. And apparently in Japan, they've appointed a new government minister to tackle this problem of loneliness. He's the, or she, the loneliness minister, I think, or some other label. You see, we weren't made to live in isolation. We were made for relationships. We were made for community. And through the gospel, God is restoring his intended purpose for humanity, a community that reflects him, a community united in love. And so in these verses, verses 42 to 47, Luke presents a picture of this new community. And as I said, it's really being held up as a picture of the model church. We saw that last week, didn't we? Church in Thessalonica was being held up as a model church. Same here in Acts 2. John Stott, in his book, The Living Church, identifies four main features of this 
early church. It was a learning church devoted to the apostles' teaching. It was a loving church devoted to fellowship, devoted to one another. And we read about those incredible radical acts of care and generosity. It was a worshipping church devoted to the breaking of bread and the prayers, meeting together in the temple courts and also in one another's homes. So large public gatherings and small, more private gatherings, all filled with a culture of joy and praise. And it was a witnessing church. We're told in verse 47 that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What an exciting time it must have been. Daily people coming to Christ, being added to the number of the church. And it's clear, although, although they were devoted to each other, they weren't inward-looking. They were known in the wider society. They enjoyed the favor of all the people. So four features of this model church. But the focus of the passage is on the communal life of this church, the life of the community. You see, community wasn't just one thing that they did amongst others. You know, as a church, we do worship, and we do discipleship, and we do mission, and we also do community. It wasn't like that. No, community was the context in which they did everything. They were a learning community, a loving community, a worshiping community, a witnessing community. And so at Barney's, community is a big priority for us. It's a core value. Let me give you three ways then to think about that. We're going to think about uh, community as our identity, community as responsibility, and community as missional. I'm sure the grammar isn't great with those th three things, but three ways to think about community. Identity, responsibility, missional. Firstly, community as identity. You know when a person's born, they're born into a family. It's kind of automatic, isn't it? They've got a mother and a father, usually others as well. When a person's born again, they're born into a family with God as their father and Jesus as their brother and millions of other brothers and sisters. You see, to be a Christian is to be a person in community. I wonder if you've realized that, that it's part of your identity if you're a follower of Jesus. If you are a Christian person, then you are a person in community. It's why the question, um, can't I be a Christian and not be part of a local church, doesn't really make sense. If you're a Christian, you are a person in community. Steve Timmis and Tim Chester say in their book, Everyday Church, Christian community is not a happy byproduct of our salvation, nor a convenient help to individual Christians. We have been saved to be God's holy people, a new family. Now, God's family is worldwide. It contains millions. But I express my identity as a person in community by being a member of a local church. Local churches are the local expression of this worldwide, universal church. And being part of a church is not just one commitment amongst many in my life. It's not just one more activity that I engage in during the week. 
No, the church, the Christian community, is the context in which I live out all of life. It's my identity. And just like any other identity, I can't switch it on and off. I don't stop being a member of the church when I leave the church building. We are the people of God, the church, in all of life, 24-7. Now, when we meet on Sundays, that is a particularly special expression of our identity as the church, as we gather together around God's word, as we're kind of reminded of who we are, reconstituted as God's people. But when we finish the service, when we leave the church building, when we go to work on Tuesday morning, we don't stop being the church. It's our identity. May not be together, but we're still community. One of the best things that we did uh, in the first couple of years that I was here at Barney's was to ask the question, who are we? We were a new church plant, uh, but before we got to asking questions about what should we do, like what strategies, what ministries shall we engage in, before we got to asking the questions of what should we do, we took time to ask Who are we? And the identity that we focused on was that of family. We're the family of God. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. That's really, truly who we are. Okay, if we really believe that, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to live out that identity? You see that the who we are question answers the what should we do. We are the family of God. What are we going to do? We're going to love each other as brothers and sisters. And we're going to invite others in. We're going to welcome others into the family like God has welcomed us into his. That's community as identity. Secondly, community as responsibility. Look again in the verses at the way this community is described. All the believers were together, we're told, verse 44. They had everything in common, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now that is radical, isn't it? And it doesn't mean that every church has to live as a commune and kind of hold all their property uh, you know, together communally. Uh, you read on even in the book of Acts, and it's clear people still have private property. But the principle that you see here is one that does apply this principle of responsibility. Again, it's like a family, isn't it? If you're part of a family and one of your family members is in need, well, you do whatever you need to do to help meet that need. And so it is within the church. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 12. In Christ, though men, in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Each member belongs to all the others. That's a radical statement, isn't it? And it speaks about this sense of genuine ownership and responsibility that we bear for each other. Uh, Whenever I'm talking to our daughter, Katie, who's three, about uh, people in the church, I'll say, um, Johnny's coming over this evening, or Holly's coming around. And she'll always say, my Johnny, my Holly. She she has a sense that the people 
within this church belong to her and she belongs to them. You know, there is a sense in which it's unhelpful to talk about Barney's as your church. You know, it's Jesus' church. It's his. He's the head. It belongs to him. But there's another sense in which it's absolutely right and healthy to talk about Barney's as your church. It's a community where you belong. It's a community that you have ownership of and responsibility for. We're not just loosely connected members of the same religious club. We are brothers and sisters in the same family. And just as you have responsibility for the other members of your biological family, so we bear responsibility for one another within the family of the church. So look around the room. I know that's awkward. Look around at the other people at Barney's. If Barney's is your church, these are the people that God has provided to do the Christian life with, to encourage you, to support you, to warn you, to bear your burdens, to spur you on. And these are the people that God has provided and given you responsibility to encourage and support and spur on. This idea of responsibility means we need to be ready to help when there's a need. And it means we need to be ready to receive help. And it means we need to be ready to deal with the disappointment that comes when people don't help. See, when you live in deep relationship with people, there are always going to be disappointments. There's always going to be conflict. Conflict in the church isn't bad. It's actually a good thing. It's a sign that there's deep relationship present. You know, any healthy family, if you're living closely with others, there's going to be disagreements. There's going to be conflicts. A healthy church isn't one in which there's no conflict. A healthy church is one in which conflicts are dealt with in a healthy way. So community is our identity. Community means responsibility. Thirdly, community as missional. Um, before we get onto that, let me just say that there are so many wonderful examples of this community life being lived out here at Barney's over the years. You know, families have provided a home for single people in need. A single girl moved in with an um, elderly member of the congregation who needed uh, care at home. Countless expressions of hospitality and prayer and encouragement, uh, giving people lifts to the airport, helping people move home, providing meals for people in need, giving financial gifts to those unemployed. And you know, sometimes those things sound a bit radical. And from the outside, people might well ask, what is up with these people? But when you understand our identity, we're family. That's what families do. And isn't there something wonderfully attractive about this kind of community? Yes, it's challenging, but boy, it's attractive. Which brings me to the final point. Identity, responsibility, missional. Get this. Every local church is an outpost of God's kingdom. The Christian community is giving the world a glimpse 
of what the future looks like. As we live together, allowing the gospel to shape our, our lives, our community, there's a sense in which we're, we're making the coming kingdom of God tangible to people here and now. People will look in and say, I want that. If that's what the future looks like, count me in. I want to be part of a community like that. Jesus said in John 13 that it's by our love for one another that people will know we're his disciples. We are to love one another as Jesus has loved us. And a few chapters on in John 17, he said it's by our unity the world will come to know him. So there's something missional about the Christian community when it's living out its identity faithfully. Community is a core value for us at Barney's, and it's integral to our mission pathway. You see, the way that we conceive of mission here is, is we don't just want individuals from the church to be reaching out and connecting with individuals who don't yet believe. We do want that, but we also want to be connecting unbelievers with the Christian community. That might mean inviting someone along on a Sunday. Or it might mean bringing them to a gospel community event uh, that's happening. Or it might mean asking two or three others from the church to go with you to connect with a friend, neighbor, colleague. You know when people come to faith, they often talk about Christians that they got to know and the witness of their lives. But what Jesus tells us in John is that the primary witness is not the life of the individual Christian, but the life of the Christian community. We want people to taste something of that, to, to see how the gospel transforms relationships. To see the love of Christ being lived out, imperfectly, yes, but authentically. So community as identity, as responsibility, community as something missional. In a few minutes, maybe one minute, uh, we're going to move on and talk about a more practical aspect. Talk about how are we at Barney's kind of structuring things, how do we operate, how are we trying to live out this community life. But before we do that, I want to give you a minute to just reflect and ask yourself, how do you respond to this? What do you think of this vision of church life that Luke gives us in Acts 2? Challenging, yes. Attractive, isn't it? Worth the challenge? What do you think? Just take a moment to reflect. What's your response to this vision?
Okay. We're going to move on and talk about ministry design. How, how do we operate? How have we structured things to try and live out our identity and calling? Quickly, uh, sorry, let's go back. Um, whoa. Three kind of main structures. I've talked about this before. Um, we gather on Sundays as a whole church to hear from God in his word. Uh, we meet together in gospel communities. That's our kind of small group community groups. Uh, we have two currently. That's where we're primarily seeking to live out our family identity as we love one another and welcome others in. And then, oh, sorry. And then DNA groups. Uh, they're even smaller groups, usually three or four men or women. That's where kind of deeper relationship happens, where we can be digging into God's word together and praying and encouraging one another uh, to live that out. So three main structures. I now want to talk about four key activities. If you've been around um, over the last few years, you would have heard about, uh, us talk about, this sounds really technical, the six ingredients of our spiritual growth environment. The six ingredients of our spiritual growth environment. Um, that was uh, quite confusing, quite a lot for people to remember. So we've tried to simplify those six things into four, and they all begin with the same letter. Gather, grow, give, go. Can you say that? Gather, grow, give, go. That's a bit easier to remember, isn't it, than, well, we won't even try and remember the six. Okay, uh, let me quickly talk through, but firstly, here we go. Thanks to Bethany. Uh, the idea is we might try and incorporate these things into our logo. So um, gather, grow, give, go. And I'm going to talk through each one in turn. And you're going to see um, images come up. Aha. So gather is pictorially represented. Uh, no, go back, please. There we go. Uh, by that image. Uh, so gather. This is talking primarily about Sundays, but might also include gathering as gospel communities. But primarily Sunday, when we gather together as God's people to remember, rejoice, reset. Uh, we want to, every Sunday, remember what God has done for us in Jesus. Be reminded of the gospel through the Bible reading and the talk, through the songs that we sing, through our celebration of the Lord's Supper and our conversations with one another. We, we want to rejoice in all that God has done for us in Jesus, singing and praying with praise to God and speaking together in celebration of the blessings we enjoy. And we want to reset. P part of what we're trying to do every Sunday is, as we remember and we rejoice in the gospel, is to be renewed in our identity. We are beloved children of God. We are saved, forgiven sinners. We are spirit-empowered followers of Jesus. And so there's a, a reset every Sunday of who we are and what we're called to do. So let's gather. Remember, rejoice, reset. Secondly, grow. And this is primarily talking about our DNA groups, but would also include personal devotions, family Bible times. But primarily DNA, where we're aiming to do those three things, discover, nurture, act, Together in our groups of three or four, we want to be discovering what God is saying in his words. We want to be nurturing each other in the truths of the gospel. 
at growing in our ability to speak the truth of the gospel into the life issues and challenges and situations that we face. That's hard, but it's something we want to grow in. We've talked in the past about gospel fluency. That's what we want to be growing in. And we want to act. We want to be helping each other, encouraging each other, praying for each other to actually put these things into practice in our lives. So that's grow. Discover, nurture, act. Thirdly, give. It's covering a bunch of things. Helpful to think of three T's. Uh, giving of our talents, our time, and our treasure. So this will include our service as part of a ministry team, uh, whether that's using our talents to um, serve on the music team or with kids' ministry or um, making coffees after the service. Uh, it'll include giving of our time to visit a member of our gospel community in need or a member of the community. It will include giving of our treasure, our money, to support the ministry and mission of the church. So that's give. And fourthly, go. This is uh, capturing our mission um, calling. All disciples of Jesus are called to, be, uh, to go and make disciples. And at Barnes, we've tried to set out a mission pathway with A, B, C, D, E. A is ask God. So part of our mission is praying to the God of mission, praying for people we know to come to faith, praying about what's, what's the next step for me in my relationship with that person. B is about building relationships, intentionally seeking to build relationships with those who don't yet believe. C is connect with community. That's a, like what we were talking about uh, from Acts 2. Uh, not just connecting as an individual, but connecting them in with the Christian community. Uh, D is deepen conversation. That requires some skill, but trying to be intentional, in, intentional about uh, moving conversations from the superficial to um, you know, opinion, to what, what do we value and what do we believe. And then E is about exploring Christianity, exploring the gospel. Might mean inviting someone to an invitation Sunday, to a 3-2-1 evangelistic course, uh, maybe asking if your colleague wants to read the Bible with you one-to-one, -one. explore the gospel. So there you go. Gather, grow, give, go. Here are the four images. Do you understand the images? Do they kind of make sense? The, the, the fourth one is someone with a loudspeaker proclaiming the gospel. Ah, you thought it was an arrow? Yeah. Yeah. And the third one, that's someone bending down to serve a child, um, kind of re recognizing children are a big part of our ministry and part of our service. But yeah, that's someone proclaiming the gospel, but there are two people in the background because we want to capture the idea that our mission isn't just an individual thing. It's a community thing. These aren't set in stone at all or carved in wood or anything, but um, we're working on them. Bethany, thanks. Thank Bethany for those. She's not here. <laughs> And, and it, maybe it's helpful to think those four activities are kind of uh, four things that we would expect of anyone who wanted to say, yeah, I want to be a member of this church. That you'll be committed to gathering together on Sundays, growing together in DNA, uh, giving of your time, treasure, talents, and going, engaged in the mission of the church. Well, we're going to have a little bit of time for questions and other reflections in a moment, but let me pray.
Let me pray for us now. Father, we thank you for all that we've looked at this morning. Thank you that you have saved us to be your people, to be your family, a community reflecting your love, characterized by love. Please fill us with your spirit so that we might live out this identity faithfully, that we might take on our responsibility, and that by your grace, Barnes would be a church that provides a clear and compelling picture of your coming kingdom. Show each of us the part that we can play in this as we gather, grow, give, and go. We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen.